0: Tom Panos, John McGrath, and Troy Malcolm here with one of our last podcasts for 2016, of course, sponsored by realestate.com.au. And guys, I'm really excited because next year, realestate.com.au are going to be giving us nuggets of information that our agents are going to be able to use in their day-to-day tactics, business, planning, on what the consumer is thinking. They have got so mm, much mm. access to data because of the great research department they have. Okay, I think
1: at, at ARIC, too, they're going to be actually doing some special sessions on what the consumers, which could be scary, by the way, what the consumers really say and think about our industry. Because we all hear the generic stuff, but I think they're going to be actually be presenting something far more granular than that, talk about what really peeves them off. and So that'll be interesting. But, yeah, REA's... It's probably now the powerhouse of Australian real estate research. Yeah, and I, and I
0: I've noticing a shift that real estate agents are beginning to say a strong is actually probably good for real estate, mm. whereas um, a few years ago, um, and don't get me wrong, I'm sure that there are still pockets... Of Australia and agents on an individual basis that will think that, hey, I had a good life without having to write a big check to realestate.com 10 years ago. Why am I paying it now? But with the amount of change that has happened in all industries, mm-hmm. it appears that REA over recent years have uh, started to think about the agent a little bit more than what they used to. Yeah,
1: yeah
0: I, I
2: think there's so much added value from REA as well. Not only agent profiles, but just the, the reach that they get is scary how many people they can touch on a monthly basis uh, on their website weekly basis yeah
0: and 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 we're gonna have the uh, the benefit of them being able to tell us what is it that vendors and buyers are thinking I want to move on to talk about two things today Um, but we'll start off with the main topic and we've called this podcast making your 2017 better than your 2016 because ultimately I think that's what people want they want to have their best year ever next year So, you know, what are the things that, you know, an agent should be thinking of as they prepare for this? Obviously building their personal brand, obviously building a prospecting plan. There are other agents, uh, John, that are thinking, hey, I'm going to take the plunge next year. I'm going to go off and put an assistant. There are some agents that are thinking to themselves, you know what, this might be the year that I play um, first grade and move up to the mansions in my area, move up the price bracket. Mm. Uh, what, it's, it's, it's a time where people make decisions. The end of the year is a time where people say, you know, this is what I'm going to do differently next year. What are the things that come to your mind? Particularly, John, if you were in real estate now as an agent, what are some of the things that you'd be doing an audit on uh, for 2017?
1: Well, I think last week, uh, from memory, Troy, we spoke about You don't want to start 17 until you finish 16, so review. Now, you should be reviewing your KPI throughout the year, but I think a final review looking back, and the key things for me there are um, appraisal to listing ratio. Yeah. You want to know how effective are you at the kitchen table in getting listings that actually go to market or not. I think um, in terms of your vendor paid marketing... Yeah have you the ability to maximise the vendor's properties exposure
0: yeah.
1: through telling them the benefits. And it's got to be aligned with the, the vendor's benefits, not your own benefits. Yeah. But we all know that better prices come from better marketing. So have a look at your average package. and What are you, what are you selling your average package? And is that actually doing the vendors the service they deserve? Um, next thing is like, what's your average commission rate? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of agents, Tom, undersell themselves, especially this year where there's been a shortage of listings. There have been many agents, including some fairly good agents, that I think have too quickly moved to the discount match the lowest tenderer um, to get the listing. And I think that that's a dangerous because it, it is one of those things that's hard to come back from. Um, days on market is clearly uh, indicative of how well you're marketing, presenting, pricing and finalising the sales and your so, you, so
0: John, those four things that you've just mentioned mm. are
1: things that an agent's got control of. I'm just thinking.
0: So your uh, presentation to list ratio, that's listing presentation. Have you got right. a 10 out of 10 listing presentation? On the marketing side, what we're saying is, have you got the ability to show value to a vendor that if they invest in marketing, they're going to have house price maximisation? On the commission, that's showing what are you
1: worth? Would you list with you? Um, what's yeah, are you, are you getting paid the amount of fee that you deserve? Because I've always taken the view that all agents are not the same. And therefore, I mean, all, this pen that I'm, listeners can't see it, but this pen, whether you buy it from any news agent, is the same pen if you buy yeah. the same brand. But agents are different, you know. An agent's been in the game six months that doesn't have great skill versus an agent's been in it five years that's got brilliant skills mm. should be worth something different. So I think a lot of agents, they just kind of match the other offer and go forward rather than sitting there and talking through the value they add. Um, so could, you're saying,
0: I mean, in, in, in that statement there, John, you're basically saying be a better pen than the other pen.
1: C- correct. And, and just realise that, you know, these, this is not a commodity. Yeah. An agent is not a commodity. Um, and a good agent deserves more and can add more value than a not-so-good agent. Clearance rates, I mean, for most agents, they've been pretty healthy this year, but where is yours compared with where you wanted it to be? Um, Days on market. Days on market, yeah, important. So they would be the key performance indicators. There might be some others, but I think if you look at those, and I would say raise your standards. So a lot of people say, oh, well, it was 78% last year. Then they get this dialogue, oh, but next year might be different and it might drop back to 65%. My view is, what does it take to get it to 85%? What would that take? So you've got to be tough on yourself. You've got to take responsibility and say, the KPIs that I've got are not dependent on competitors or market environment. They're dependent on me. Um, So that's really critical. I mean, I tell the story a lot of Matty Grimer, who's no longer with us, Troy, as you know, but he's a dear friend and he uh, works in the Blue Mountains. He used to work with us. Anyway, he was, uh, had a days on market at one point during the GFC. It was like 30 days compared to 300 was kind of the industry average up there. Mm. And he was 30. And, and he just had an approach where he went in and most of his competitors were saying, well, it's going to take a long time to sell. You know, don't be in a hurry. We don't want to really put too much money into marketing. You'll probably waste it. Whereas Matt went in and he said, first 30 days is the best time to sell your property. Get the best price. To Do that. We need a really strong marketing campaign and a focus. And I think auction would be a really good way to go. So he was a lone voice compared with all the others that were generally you know, having a different story. So he had like one-tenth of the days on market that others. So I think if you take responsibility for all your KPIs and then you say, I'm going to raise my standards for next year, not, not dilute them or, or lower them, I think you need just a wrap plan around that. And if you haven't got a business coach or a mentor or a peer partner, you need to get one and say to them, you know, how would you do this? You know, my current clearance rate's only at 70%, should be at 90 What would be some of the things I could be doing better? And then you drill into those sort of things.
2: Out of those five things, what would be the benchmark <coughs> for someone that's been in the game five, six years? So if my listing, so my appraisal to listing ratio... What 75%. Would, 75%. Three okay. out
1: of four listings that go to market. If you're a really strong lister, I believe, you should be targeting and you should be achieving. And VPA... One percent of the value of the property is probably a good benchmark. It'll vary depending on what price range you do and what area, but I'd say one percent.
2: Com rates obviously they vary as well. Vary from the market, market
1: to market. Yep. Uh, days on market. I think probably somewhere between twenty-one mm-hmm. and thirty.
0: Obviously, in some areas, in in, in rural areas, That'll it could be a little bit lower. Well, a
1: little bit, but you know the Matt Grimer story of they were three hundred days somewhere, and yet he was thirty. So I think. If you still have a strong launch marketing campaign mm-hmm. and a, a good dialogue around pricing and you have a database of good buyers and a strong digital um, um, network and a good you know, local media play, all those sort of things wrapped up, you should still be able to get a property on and sold usually in three to four weeks in almost any market, yep. I believe. So that would be the... Was there and then any, clearance rates. Well, clearance rates, oh, I think right now they need to be up in the 85% at least. Yep. Um, And I think that, you know, they drop down to sort of 50 to 60% for a lot of agents during the GFC. But I think you need to be saying to yourself, if you can't sell three out of four of your auctions at or before, there's Mm -hmm. probably an internal issue, Tom. Yeah. You don't know how to sell auctions properly. You're not chasing the buyers hard enough. You're not marketing strong enough. Because you should be able to get at least three out of four properties that you go for and then get three out of four at least sold by the auction. And virtually everything else should sell within 30 days afterwards. What, um, uh, Troy and John,
0: I've had a number of our uh, listeners that have mentioned in the past, and we have covered it briefly, in making the decision in the new year to go up the price ladder, to mm. come back and be positioned. Sell more expensive? Sell more expensive.
1: Well, I think it's a great thing because it, it positions you in your marketplace very strongly. And usually the good agents don't lose the stuff they're doing currently. They just pick up more business at the top end. So, look, I think if you're having that conversation, Tom, the job's half over because you've actually raised your awareness that this is a good strategy. Yeah. And my average sale price is 650, but I want it to go to $1.2, so how am I going to do that? So I think yeah, awareness is really key. Secondly is the higher price ranges in most areas are very relationship-based in terms of the listings. In the lower end of the market, Troy, often people kind of bring up four or five agents just out of firms or brands that they know well. Mm -hmm. It's almost like the old yellow pages. Who do I pick? Let's choose these four. Whereas at the top end, my experience is it's very much around social influence. Mm -hmm. So social proof. I know someone in my uh, soccer club or business network that used Tom Panels, so I'm going to ring Tom. Um, And it's a personal brand. So I think if you want to hit the top end of the market, you need to increase your business networking. Yeah. Um, you need to make sure that every single one of your clients is a raving fan, not just the satisfied customers, because satisfied customers will probably use you again someday. Raving fans will make sure everyone they meet uses you. They'll insist. Big difference. So I think you know, really up your service standards yeah. around that. One of the KPIs we didn't talk about, but it's really a ritual versus a KPI, but it's daily vendor calls. If you're not making daily vendor calls, yeah. why the hell not? Yeah. So every client that you've listed their property, my strategy when I was selling was i call them every day, sometimes yeah. three times a day. Because I knew if there was a problem, I would make sure there was no problem because I would hear about it quickly. And secondly, they knew I was on the job every single day. Well, John, I have to
0: say, the number one ritual I've picked up in the last few years came from you addressing my managers at News Corp last year. Um, in the theaterette, mm. and you um, you may remember you came in there that morning, um, and one of the things you said is nine calls before 9am. Ten before ten. Yeah, ten yeah, before ten. Yeah, it was ten, ten before ten, but I do nine calls. I, I mean, obviously I don't chase vendors or, yeah. or, or buyers, but it was this concept of having three current um, business calls to clients, yes, three new business calls, yes, and three calls to your culture. Whether Growth it's, and culture calls. Yeah. yeah, and I have to say that um, those nine calls um, have probably been the most profound impact in my personal and business life um, over the last um, year and a half. That's because even even if you have an average day, at the end of the week you've had forty five. Quality impacts quality quality. conversations with people. So even in the week where things didn't go great, you still know that um, you've had an impact on people in your business yeah.
1: that matter. And well, I picked up a lot of that, Tom, from Simon Reynolds, who's a friend of ours. And, and Simon used to start his day every morning with 10, let's call them cold calls. And they were literally out of the yellow pages in those days. He would ring 10 people and he'd say, I've noticed your advertising. He'd make sure he'd have a look at what did their ad look like in local paper or wherever. And um, he would say to them, you know, we have a really creative little agency. I'd love the opportunity to discuss what we do. And he'd probably get eight or nine no's and he'd get one or two people saying, sure, sounds interesting, come around. And so if you're doing that, if you're getting one out of 10 a day and that's, Five a week, and if you're closing two or three, that's 100 new pieces of business a year mm. just from making those 10 calls. So I think, yeah, the
2: 10 before 10 or 9 before 9, don't do 3 before 3. That could be <laughs> that, that could be terrible. I think the <laughs> yeah. important thing on that is not to lose focus because it takes a consistent approach. So we talk about influence and we say, you know, you've got to stay focused. Whether that is going up to the next price bracket or just making those nine calls or ten calls before ten, it's got to take focus and dedication to make sure you're consistently doing that. And Troy, I think people
1: have got to realise success is a process. Exactly. Is what you're yep. saying. Yeah. Success, anyone can pick up the phone and ring, um, you know, ten people. Yeah. Now, some will be a little bit more charismatic than others, some will be a little bit better in what they say, than, but it doesn't matter. The reality is most people don't actually do that.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so it was, it was interesting. Did I send you, there was a... I'll try and get it while we're on this, uh, doing this podcast, which is probably quite rude. But um, yeah, there, there was somebody said the other day about things you control. I'll, I'll try the, and try. I mean, the,
0: the the thing is, Troy, that prospecting as a skill is overrated. I think yeah. more people spend time preparing to prospect, <laughs> thinking about it, talking about it, pl- yeah, talking about <laughs> it, planning it, and then you've got another group of people. And Charles Turner is a classic example of a guy that says, Tom. Look, the reality is some people want to talk to you more than others, and you just meet people at where they're
1: at. This is i I'll just, I'll just read this to you. I don't think... I'll send it to you both. And I'd love you to put it on your website, Tom, because... This has been uh,
2: doing the rounds on social media as well. Yeah, it's, it's,
1: it says 10 things that require zero talent. Yeah. Number one, being on time. Number two, work ethic. Number three, effort. Body language, energy, attitude, passion, coachability, Doing the extra mile and being prepared. So great. I mean, th- yeah. that's a checklist for being highly successful, and yet it requires zero talent. It's yeah. just—it's a discipline and a ritual. So um, if you—if you haven't put it on your yeah. website, I'll send it to you. And, and if you
0: can send that, John, and we'll and we'll put that up. And guys, I really look forward to uh, talking to you next week, which maybe our maybe our last podcast if we decide when we are taking annual. Just year. I'm worried. The end.
2: <laughs> oh we're coming back. No.
0: <laughs> so thank you, realestate.com.au and guys enjoy this week. See you guys, see, see you before guys.
1: Christmas. Bye.